Today we'll be looking at some points and principles for Christian living, mainly uh, trying to find yourself free from being a fault finder. And uh, we're going to look at this, but Mark chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes, which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, with unwashing hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots and brazen vessels in the tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashing hands? He answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah the prophet prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. So here's the story of Jesus and his disciples. And you notice the Pharisees, they're watching. They see maybe the uh, disciples don't necessarily, are not aware, well, they're not aware that they're being watched or seen. And it says they sat down to eat and they did not wash their hands. Now, to a Jew in Jesus' day that's a strict Jew of the law, that is a no-no. You have to wash your hands. You have to wash the, the, the pots, the pans, all the utensils. And this is a stretch of the Bible, uh, what the, the law taught, the law of Moses. This is a stretch because that's not true. But Jesus was such an unusual man in many ways. But the, one of the big ones is he was blameless. He was perfect. You couldn't find fault in him. As hard as they tried, they could never find fault. Sometimes, you know, think about it, it's hard to be around someone of this caliber because their perfection reflects on your imperfection, and I think the Pharisees struggled with that, and they couldn't catch him in his words. Remember, they sent off to get him, and, and the men came back, said, never man spake like this man. We can't even catch him uh, in his words, make him say the wrong thing. They couldn't catch him in his conduct. They came back saying, he doeth all things well. We can't find one thing wrong with how he behaves. They couldn't find true fallacies in his ministry because everyone he helped became better and grew. So jealousy and envy moved in. In Mark 3, it says they took counsel to destroy him. And then in Mark 7 here, it says they found Fault, And what they found fault in was tradition, not commandment. This would be human or cultural tradition about purification, nothing to do with the Bible. But they found fault. Now, why did they find fault? Very simple. They were looking for it. Fault's real easy to find in others or in a situation if you're looking for fault. They failed to see all the good things, the healings, the miracles, the helps, the changed lives. 
They pinpointed the one wrong thing they could find. And notice, it wasn't in him, it was in his disciples. The disciples failed to wash their hands before dinner. And so Jesus exposed them for being hypocrites. He said, you follow tradition rather than the truth. And usually, you know, people's tradition, usually found in their habits, their schedule, their diet, their religion, their traditions, their culture. And what happened here is in verse 7, they were emphasizing human priorities and human philosophy in ways over the truth of God and the Bible. And so Jesus said in verse 6, he said, you're hypocrites. And you know why he said it? He said, I can find just as much fault in you. I can find much more fault in you if I were to look. So we're looking at fault finding. And I want you to think about this. Two points here today with me that we'll learn from this story. And these are simple but very, very important. So number one, concerning fault finding. Number one, it's not your job to find fault in others. God did not save you or me and call us to be white-glove inspectors of other people's lives. Our job is not quality control over how other people behave and live, like a inspector number whatever, number eight or whoever on somebody's T-shirts that inspects the quality of the T-shirt. That's not your job. You didn't get paid to do that. You're not God's referee out there looking for a penalty in sports and trying to catch somebody breaking the rules. You know, so think about this. Who gave us the right to be God's fault finder? And most of the time, we're not doing it for the sake of God. We're doing it for ourselves. Matthew 7, verse 3 through 5 Jesus told them, he said, you're, you fault finders, you're a hypocrite. Cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, then thou shalt see clearly to, to help your brother. And he said in, in Matthew 7, verse 1, judge not lest ye be judged. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one. he said, judge yourself and you shall not be judged. So if you don't judge others, you won't be judged. And then if you judge yourself, you won't be judged. And both of these are by God. What a wonderful truth here. You get to dictate how the Lord responds to you. Now, let's just be honest here. You can look at anyone's life and find fault in them. But you're not out to find fault. If I look hard, I could find fault with anyone. They wouldn't have to look that hard, probably, to find fault in me. I'm not talking about seeing sin in others. I'm talking about uh, looking for sin in others. Don't go being a judge or a gossip or a slanderer or a reviler or a Pharisee over other people. Here's another point concerning this. Don't look at negative things all the time. Having a negative attitude and spirit towards people and towards life. The old, I'm too hot, I'm cold, I'm tired. It's crowded in here. This place is dirty. I feel bad. How about this one? People bug me. I get real bothered by people. If you start out with attitudes like that, you're going to find fault 
every time. Paul said, Philippians 4, 8, Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Don't be one of these glass half empty type people. Be a half full with the good spirit. You know, I think it's real important that we learn to look for the assets in people, not their liabilities. We look for the strengths that people have, not the weaknesses. We look for beauty in people, not their ugliness, which all of us have. You think about that. How do you approach people? Do you approach from a negative, condescending, judgmental attitude saying, I want to find something wrong with you? And usually what that means is you're going to, I'm trying to make myself look better by making you look bad. So how did Jesus do it, though? In Matthew 11, it tells a story where John the Baptist, who had been in jail for a good while and never saw the sun or freedom, he kept he started wondering, is Jesus really the Messiah? Did he did is he the one? And he had doubt set in. Well, Jesus immediately looked at his good points and boasted of how great John the Baptist was to the point that he said he's the greatest man born of woman. Jesus had the right idea here. So if if you look down on your brethren, God looks down on you. Just make sure that's a fact. If you look down on yourself and you humble yourself, then the Bible says God dwells with you. You will have unity and harmony, and he'll give Holy Spirit freedom. But if you're nitpicking other people's lives, you better look out. There's a beam in your own eye. You better get out. So the first point is, It's not your job to find fault in others. Fire yourself on that. If you've been guilty of this, take the job away. It's not your job. So here's the other point. First one, it's not your job to find fault in others. The second point is it is your job, excuse me, to keep others from finding fault in you. This is very important. We're supposed to be blameless. We're supposed to live a life where we have no stumbling block to our brethren, especially leaders and officers of the church. The Bible says we're to be well reported of, blameless. Remember Daniel? He was a blameless man, and they they could not find fault in him. The only way they could get him was to frame him with the Word of God, which is exactly what they tried to do to Jesus. But I want you to think about something here. Quit looking at other people so much in a judgmental attitude, but you've also got to remember people are looking at you that way. People are looking at you. They're looking up to you. These are people at church, people on the job, people at fam- in the family, people you know just in society. They're looking at you, and they're watching how you live. And if you give many opportunities... For them to find fault, you're going to hurt the cause of Christ. So you are either a testimony or a testifony wherever you go. 
People can see you when you compromise. You know that, right? People know when you contradict yourself and you and your life contradicts what you say you believe. And I think it's important to be your own white glove inspector. Judge yourself harshly. Be your own judge of quality control on yourself so others won't. You should be a referee or an umpire searching your own self for fault and for breaking of rules or anything. This is important. And so think about this. In a, in a, there's a sense to this. None of us have the right to live as we please. And I'm not saying to be self-conscious about it, but be conscious of self in your testimony for Christ. Interesting, though, that the Pharisees finally found fault, but it wasn't in Christ. It was in his disciples. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, I don't want to be a Christian because of so-called Christians. I've seen them over and over. And one of the Apostle Paul's biggest fears was this. He was afraid that he was going to cause other people to stumble. He said, I won't do it. I will not allow other people to find fault in me because they're going to use that to try to find fault in Christ, just like the Pharisees did with Jesus' disciples. So let me finish by saying, in Romans 14, the Apostle Paul gives us principles, and he's talking about this very thing, your Christian liberty. Yes, you have a right to to do certain things, and we're not talking about things that are wrong. We're just talking about living, but other people may not understand, and you have to live according to this. You cannot make an occasion for your brother to stumble. He said in verse 16, to let not then your good be evil spoken of. Don't allow people to speak evil of the things you're doing. So here's some rules to follow when you for Christian living. These are, these are great questions to be asked for Christian liberty. If you're dealing with men or if you are living before men, these are principles or questions or rules to follow. And also, just remember this. This is all, it's much larger than us. We, we have the, the name of Christ on us. This is much larger than you and I. This is about him. Therefore, we are protecting his name. Remember this. It's much, much larger than you. So here's some questions you can ask yourself. If there's something comes up in your life about your personal habits or hobbies or manners or the words you say or the places you go or the things you do or the people you run with, how you conduct your life, and you ask yourself, is this right or is this wrong? How would I know? Well, here's some rules and regulations for any uh, kind of conduct that is not strictly forbidden in the Bible or in the New Testament. So here it goes. These are very simple. Ask yourself this question. Does this activity or what I want to do, does it please God? Is God happy with it? If God's not happy with it, 
you probably should put it away. Here's another question. Would I like the Lord to find me doing this when he returns? How would you feel if you were in this, whatever that activity is, or at that place, or with those people, or doing this, and Jesus were to return at that very moment? How would you feel about that? Here's another question. Can I ask the Lord's blessing on it? Whatever this activity might be, can I ask God to bless this and humble myself and pray and ask Him to do it? How about this question? Does it violate my conscience? Is this going to hurt me, my very own conscious conscience, by doing this? Is this going to go against what I know is right and wrong? And then you get really down to what I say mature and quality Christian living. Here's a question to ask. Would it cause a weak Christian to stumble? Someone who's weaker than I, are they going to see it and find fault and cause them to stumble and fall and maybe even turn back? God forbid that would happen through any of us. And then here's the last one. Would it cause an unsaved person to reject the gospel? If they saw you doing this or being a certain way or a certain activity, would, would they say, oh, I don't need to be a Christian, I'm watching them? These are great questions to ask yourself. What are you doing? Rules in liberty or in offense? That's why he said in verse 17, he said, The kingdom of God's not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Very, very important to understand this. So think about these things. You know, you, know you can offend God. You can offend others. You can even offend yourself. It says in verse 23, He that doubteth is damned if he eats something that he knows he shouldn't, because he eateth not of faith, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And you're condemning yourself for that which you allow. So you're offending your own self. You're offending others. You're offending God. Be not an offense to man. Now, I spend a lot of time on keeping others from finding fault in you. But it goes both ways. Don't let God be the judge of others. Now, if someone's in sin and needs to be pointed out, that's fine. But a, a piddly fault, you didn't wash your hands or whatever, just something that people, are, you're, they bother you. Remember these principles. Christian principles. We will not cause a brother to stumble and we will not find fault Think on these things and become better, if possible, at the Christian life.